folks, guess what? The Detroit Women of Comedy Fest is back, baby! We're going to be streaming across Planet Ants channels on June 4th and June 5th. That's their Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. You get it. There's going to be so much funny stuff. We're talking sketch, stand-up, podcasts, live stream, workshops, special guests. Head over to DetroitWomenOfComedy.com to find out how you can join the fun. Oh, yeah. Hey guys, gals, folks, every, I don't, I'm fucking this up. I don't know how to be as inclusive, but every person out there, uh, we love you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. This is Scaring is Sharing. It's the place where we share our scares, guys, gals, non-binary pals. Everybody, folks of all kinds. I am Jeremy Rusk, the original Sasquatch Slim. And I'm the flaming scream queen, Brenda Jo Plambeck. Oh, what's up? And we're here to talk about horror because we are nerds that love that kind of thing. We sure are. Like we assume I mean, you are if you're listening. Yeah. I mean, I I'm not, we're not calling you a nerd, but if you are, I mean, more power to you. Hell yeah. We love nerds. I love a good sexy nerd. It's like the best kind of nerd. <laughs> but you know what? You can be non-sexy and also be a super hot nerd. So whatever. Nerds are welcome and appreciated in this zone. Hell yeah. Yeah. I used to love Revenge of the Nerds as a kid. I watched it all the time. It's very problematic now. I fucking loved that movie. That was one of those ones that was like, my dad loved all those, uh, you know, like Animal House and Revenge of the Nerds, all those kind of comedies. And it's like, I still have a soft spot for them because of nostalgia, uh, but they're so problematic, most of them. So problematic. Better Off Dead? I fucking loved Better Off Dead. John Cusack. John Cusack is one of those... My wife knows because she makes fun of me. I have like a certain type of male star from a certain era that I'm like obsessed with. So like John Cusack, Keanu Reeves, uh, Nicolas Cage, like those weird uh, male leads from back in the day. Like I I have a soft spot for them. Top three John Cusack movies. Go. Oh, God. Uh, Just off the top. Don't think about it too hard. Off the top of my head. Gross point blank. Okay. Uh, Better off dead. Say anything? Yeah, that was pretty good. Oh, pretty good. Oh, man, I love yeah, that movie. I have good. a major boner for early um, Cameron Crowe movies. Actually, you know what? I, I got it. I got it. it it's uh, definitely Better Off Dead, Gross Point Blank, Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, I've not seen Hot Tub Time Machine or Gross Point Blank. Both of those are hilarious and weird. And I've never seen High Fidelity. I've seen the TV show, Fuck! which yeah, was- Yeah, High Fidelity. Oh, okay. shit. Okay, maybe not Hot <laughs> Tub Time Machine. Maybe High Fidelity. I hear it's great. Did you watch the TV show? I heard it sucked, so I never- It, it did up. not suck. It was so motherfucking good. Was it? Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, Ooh. I'm sure maybe if you're a purist- you wouldn't like opinion, it i'm hearing yeah but oh my god because like i've not seen the movie i've not read the book so i really sure. came into it 100 percent blind and um and it was oh it was so fucking good i just loved it because i had a i had a friend tell me like they checked it out and were like i wasn't a fan of it because they're like i was more into uh, uh, the movie so and they're like and i was like yeah i'm a huge fan of that movie which is still generally good so for everyone out there, I just rolled up my sleeves so I could be cool like Jeremy. I was going to cut off, cut off like a self-made tank top. And I was looking at it all envious. So even though I don't have guns like him. Oh, I barely have guns. We'll take a picture and put it on the Insta. Oh, my God. <laughs> so strong. Gun show. I own no tank tops. That's what it's called, right? With the sleeves cut off. That's a tank top. Sure. Yeah. Tank top. Okay. I don't own a tank top or a midriff just because I'm a chubby boy. Like I've never felt confident in it because, you know, the underarm stuff. But like I'm I'm rocking this episode. Yeah. In a self-made tank top. Self-made like I rolled up these Emmer Effer sleeves. Do it. I just have so many like old t-shirts. A lot of like, you know, like this is an Iron Maiden shirt, like all these punk and metal band shirts that I've had forever that I don't want to get rid of, but they start falling apart. So I just rip those damn sleeves off of it and then they're perfect for the summer. So. All right. T-shirts, John Cusack aside, let's talk about some horror stuff. So first we have let's a couple bits it. of horror spondence. 
First oh. of all, it's just a text I'm going to read from my dear friend Joel, who wrote and said, Loved the episode with The Girl Walks Home. McGroats, that being Allison, was a great guest. Gotta catch up on a bunch more episodes. Love them and you. Second text, Jeremy is great too, but I don't know him as well. Send love his way as well. Oh, thank you. And who is that from Joel. again? Joel. My friend Joel. He's lovely. He was in Campfire, which was the play that I directed Allison in. Sure. He's a Ringwald mainstay. He's been around for many years. Um, his first show was Killer Joe at the Ringwald, which talk about an intense, crazy play by the guy who wrote Bug. There's a movie with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Was he in uh, Death of a Salesman with you guys? Yes. He was Willie Loman. Okay. I Yeah, I know Joel. I've seen him. Or I'm I know sure of him, have. I should say. I've seen yeah. him in a couple shows. Oh, one of the, the best people ever. Incredibly talented and just a sweet, dear heart. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. He listens to our podcast as well as Joe's. So he's one of those super, super fans. Super fan! Hell yeah. Super fan! If we had something to give you, we would. Oh, I guess what we is... can give you is our love and more episodes. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> All right, and the second bit is the, I'm just, I'll start, it's an email, and I'm just going to start with the beginning. It's Nico's Reading Nook from Hell, part two, The Revenge. He's back! <laughs> yes, The Revenge. This time it's personal. And there's some good stuff in here. Greetings, you sharer of scares, you givers of shivers. Oh, God, I Ooh, love cool. that one. You philanthropists of fear. It's Nico here. <laughs> I invite you to please take off your shoes. Follow me down the winding stone staircase. It leads into the dusty bowels of the earth. Then across the outdated crimson shag rug and uh, and and into my chamber of hellfire where dwells the unholy throne of unimaginable horror known as Nico's Reading Nook from Hell. <laughs> yes. This time I'd like to offer up two overlooked classics that anyone and everyone who likes horror will enjoy. The first is a book by an author who I dare say rivals Stephen King in both volumes of work as well as quality of it. If you've never read any Robert McCammon, Nobody needs to know. It can be our little secret. And I thought, to truly celebrate what makes Robert McCammon great, I shouldn't recommend any of his award-winning novels, but instead his 1989 World War II horror thriller, Wolf's Hour, which features a Bolshevik werewolf turned British spy enlisted to battle Nazis. It is nonstop fun, and McCammon paints such a clear cinematic picture you'll feel like you've been watching one of your favorite trashy 80s movies and lastly i'm recommending a triple feature of depravity from the southern fried master of horror and karate joe lansdale author of many adapted works including the hap and leonard series cold in july and bubba hotep the drive-in is a three book series that celebrates all things old school drive-ins and all things what the fuck the amazon description does a better job than i could so i'll leave you with that the end of the 1980s drive-in movie culture is mostly dead with one significant exception the orbit drive-in a drive-in theater so large it houses multiple stories high screens that fill the sky and can hold four thousand cars and all the people who can squeeze in them it's a lit city that fills to the brim on friday nights crowds gather for the dusk to dawn horror show Shows, horns honk, barbecue grills sizzle, people yell and act the fool, ready for the marathon of one low-budget horror film after another. But then suddenly the world changes in front of their eyes, not on the screens. A comet, red and smiling with jagged teeth, flashes across the sky. People try to leave, but find they are trapped by some acidic goo surrounding the entire drive-in. They grow hungry, homicidal, and suicidal. Then along comes the Popcorn King, a jiving, rhyming creature formed by blue and white lightning with four arms and popcorn buckets on its head. A monster as strange and dangerous and mesmerizing as the creatures and villains on the screens. It offers the starving masses food, but there's always a price to pay for survival. And then things start to get wicked. Well, that's it for now. You can show yourself out, but you will find things have a tendency to change around here, so you may have some trouble. Why don't you just grab a book, get comfortable, and stay a while? Anyway, what's the point of having company over if they're just going to up and leave? <laughs> Nico. Thanks, Nico. Those sound fun. 
Yeah, I was just thinking Robert McCammon, like I've heard the name, but I'm not familiar with any of the work. I have read Boy's Life, which I started sure. reading when I spent a summer in Spain back in my junior high school days. And then just like two years ago, I was like, what was that book I never finished that I loved so much? And mm. I was like, I think it's called Boy's Life. So I looked it up, saw the cover and was like, that's it. And then I listened to the audiobook, and it was very good. It's like 20 hours and it's just a bunch of tales intertwined. I mean, it's all sort of follows this town and this one particular boy, but there's many uh, a tale within his town that sort of gets woven in. It's a very good book. He's a great writer. Cool. I'm not always up on like World War II type things, but it sounds interesting. Yeah. And I do, I know of uh, Joe Lansdale. Like my brother is a huge fan of him, uh, the, specifically the Happen Leonard books. Cause I okay. know he's, he's kind of like a, mostly a crime, like noir type writer, I would assume, pulpy kind of crime stuff. So. Sounds uh, like it. But I've I've seen Bubba Hotep, uh, and that's a great movie. I've seen the movie adaptation, and that's a fun movie. So It looks like something I wouldn't like, so I've stayed away from it. But it also just looks so fucking weird. I don't know if I'd like it or not. So I Yeah, it's, it it's probably, who knows? It could go either way, I bet, if you're into it. It's uh, Don Coscarelli made the movie. He did the Phantasm movies, so there is that. Okay. It's got his, it's, it's indie. It's definitely an indie movie. So I don't know if this is where my love of getting scared started, but when I was, my dad tells this story of when I was a little kid and we went to see the Fox and the Hound at the drive-in and mm. there's a scene with a bear, I guess. I mm -hmm. do not remember. It's been a million years. I mean, I vaguely I remember that. that is like the big action piece. Okay, there's just this story of me covering myself up with a blanket, coming back out, and then covering myself up again. And um, and he just always found that very funny. So I don't know if that's where my love started with being scared, but I remember that. Mm -hmm. I also, one of my earliest memories of being truly freaked the fuck out is I, I remember going through a haunted house. I don't know how old I was. I want to say early grade school. And I remember the first scene was like a dinner scene where they took off, you know, one of those covers and there was like a person's head who was like underneath the table, you know, with like the mm -hmm. hole cut out. I remember that. I remember putting my hands in bowls where things felt slimy. And then I remember getting to the last scene before you left the haunted house. It was like an, uh, like an office building. And there was like a cemetery with leaves all over the ground. And there were like monsters that came out. And I started screaming and crying so hard that they turned on the lights, pulled off their masks. And they're like, look, it's just us, your dad's work friends. <laughs> they totally stopped the haunted house to reveal to me, like, no need to be afraid, you know us. Oh my God. So it's just weird thinking about how much I love scary stuff, but there was a time where like, I was so scared that people oh, sure. were like, we gotta pull back the curtain and show you what the truth is. Yeah, absolutely. I have a memory of seeing Ghostbusters 2. Mm. When that came out in theaters, I was like, I would have been three or four years old uh, to give you some context. And I remember I was sitting in my grandma's lap and just like covered myself you know, hid my face like the entire time. But yeah, you know, I had been obsessed with the first Ghostbusters. Like I saw that as a toddler, you know, around about the same time and was obsessed with that movie for my whole life now. But yeah, I remember that. And it's funny, I have a memory too of going to a haunted house when I was a little kid uh, at my family's church uh, and just like, it was too scary. I couldn't even like go through the thing. Like I made it into the first room and like the lights were off and somebody came out from like under a table or something. And I was like, this is done. <laughs> like I'm not doing this. <laughs> oh, it, it wasn't the, the haunted house from haunt. No, no, it was, <laughs> it was not that. So thank goodness. But yeah, being scared of shit, like it goes way back like it does and like love it and my dad was obsessed with like scaring me like he thought i was the funniest you know put on a halloween mask and jump out from like the garage or something unexpectedly so uh i've been having that you know i've been that left an impact on me so and now it's just so i mean it's a very rare and i can't remember when it happened there was i think his house i talked about this after we finished his house, like I was like freaked out. Like I finished it late at night and like I was creeped out, like mm -hmm. to go to the bathroom or whatever. Like I was nervous. And that does, 
is a, such a rare feeling anymore. Yeah, for sure. It just doesn't happen. No, it, it it's very, yeah. I'm trying to think even for me, like most, I can watch whatever movies for the most part alone at night. It doesn't, you know, really bother me. I'm trying to think in recent years, there was like, just a couple years ago, I was playing one of the Resident Evil games, though, and I was like home alone at night and then with all the lights off. And then I went outside to like take the garbage out or something like that. And then I heard like a noise behind me and I was like, what's that? Like zombies there. Uh, but, you know, that's about it that I can think of. Yeah, I miss it. And, you know, yeah. those feelings will come again. I'm awaiting them. And at the time I'll say, I, I should never have asked for this. I know. No, I think what gets me is like, it's been a while since I've done this, but like going on like a camping trip or something like that. And you have your campfire stories. Uh, and that's what can still unnerve me when you're out in the boonies and then somebody's telling you a story about like this monster, this ghost allegedly lives around here and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then if you got to walk back, you know, alone in the dark, you're like something could be out there and I'd never know. So wait, did I talk about my camping trip coming up already? No, no. So there's this group of guys that are part of AA who every August have uh, like a kayaking trip. And I've mm -hmm. gone twice before. Last year, I didn't go. There was still a small group, but just with the pandemic, it was just like not quite mm -hmm. ready yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this summer, a lot of us, you know, vaxxed and waxed folks are like going. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's so fun. And this year we're getting a cabin because my buddy James and I, last the last time we went, we had a tent and... It was so uncomfortable. And my dear friend Gretchen, who listens to this podcast, even gave us cots. But we were just so miserable. And like the tent and just we did not sleep well. And we're like, we're going to get an RV the next time. So that was oh, like our plan. Cool. But then like that turned out to be like quite a task. And yeah. like trying to find one. How do you drive it for four hours? How expensive is it? So sure. I found out that the campground has cabins. Oh, So cool. we're getting a cabin that has three beds in it. And we're going to stay in there. But the reason I bring it up is that it occurs on Friday the 13th. Oh, hell yeah. I know. I'm so excited. And I like, especially because of that, I'm getting all those guys to sit around and scare the shit out of, out of each other. Good. Hopefully me the most. I want to be the most scared. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just give in to the fear. And I should get a, a Jason mask to take with. You me. should and scare everybody. <laughs> I really should. It should you should wait for like a jump out at night and scare everyone. Except for it is like one of the reasons we go there is like so that it's like a I don't know what they call it a quiet campground or something like oh. it's made to like not have drinking and to not be loud. Like they've had to stop by before and be like, um, can you guys please keep it down? Like we keep hearing lots of swears. <laughs> uh. <laughs> like it's supposed to be like a family friendly sort of yeah, campground. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But it's nice to go there and know you're not going to be next to like people smoking pot or whatever. Like, yep, for sure. Like sort of the whole, the whole point. So we have to sort of keep our, keep it together. Cause we are a bunch of just like, you know, sex crazed maniacs, rowdy boys, rowdy boys. You can take the boy out of the alcohol. I don't know. I, well, you know what I'm saying. Like, Hell we're still yeah. crazy even without the booze and the they drugs. You still got the lust for life. <laughs> we do. We'll always be addicted to life. <sighs> so, Jeremy, I've watched a couple of things. Have you watched anything this past week? I have. I have. Do tell. Do tell. So, I finally watched Willy's Wonderland. Oh, yeah? How was? With my boy, Nick Cage. I liked it. I know it got, like, I saw, like, it's already got like a cult following on the internet for something that's so like fresh and just came out. Uh, and some people are like, this is fun. I've seen some lukewarm reviews for it, but it was fucking fun, man. It was just a weird, it's not quite like Mandy, you know, like artsy mm. like that, but it's definitely better than, you know, uh, a lot of the other just crap that Nick Cage has had his name attached to. So I thought it was a lot of fun. Does I heard he doesn't talk very much. He it. doesn't speak at all. Not a single line of dialogue. Not a one? Not a one. Just a lot of wow. nods. And, you know, but it, and well, I guess if you include grunts or screams as dialogue, no. that's it. Um, the only sounds he makes. But he's still, I'm like, it's so weird. Like, what a distinct actor he is that he doesn't even have to talk and he's still very Nicolas Cage the entire time. So that's for better, amazing for better or for worse that I just thought he spoke 
rarely. I didn't realize it no, was never. Not at all. It, it it's a fun movie. Like it's definitely you can you know it's not exactly like a huge budget production or anything like that, but they did a good job with it. So okay. I think I think. And then I also, of course, I've seen this like a million times, but it's probably been a couple years I think since I revisited it. Maybe I uh, also rewatched the original Wolfman with Lon Chaney Jr., which is of course like. For for those, you know, who have no idea, I guess, and I'm like, who who would not even have heard of this thing? Uh, you know, it's the granddaddy of all werewolf movies. Like, that's that's it. Everything after every werewolf movie after owes a debt to that movie because it pretty much created the modern werewolf myth. So Okay. Was it just as good as you remembered it? Yeah, yeah. Every time I rewatch it, you know, I think it's one of the best of, you know, Universal's cycle of classic monster movies. Would you say you've seen it at least a dozen times? Yeah, yeah, easily okay. a dozen times. Um, it's just one of those, you know, it's like one of those comfort movies, like a lot of, like the original, like the Bela Lugosi Dracula or the Boris Karloff Frankenstein for me, where I can throw it on, come in and out if I want to, but it's it's just, it's like an old friend. An old hairy friend. An old hairy friend. And, you, you know, every time I watch it too, I'm like, yeah, this is it. Like, this is the werewolf movie. Everything else has just been repetition in some way of this movie. Would you say the contemporary, the werewolf movie is American Werewolf in London? Absolutely. Okay. I, th- I think if I had to rank them, like, or give you like, what are what are the iconic, the best werewolf movies ever? Like, easily the top of the list is the original Wolfman, American Werewolf in London, maybe the original Howling, and then kind of like it that it gets a little hard to think of like really great werewolf movies. Now I would throw the Wolf of Snow Hollow in there. So good. Yeah, and that's really about it. Like a lot of them tend to be cheesy or not as you know not that great, but. Or Prove me wrong, people. Was that? I said, or you thought they were great at one or point? Or you thought they were great. I just saw it like Ginger Snaps had a little resurgence in my social media on some of the horror stuff I follow. It popped up again and a lot of people like, that's the best movie. And I'm like, it's not, guys. Like, why do we remember this so well? It's on Bill Bob's Yeah, it showed up on Joe, Joe Bob's last drive-in. Yeah. Joe Bob's. And a lot and of Mother's people... Day, too. I was just looking at it last night. Yeah, that's kind of funny, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was on there and a lot of the fans were like, this movie's so good. And I'm like, have you watched it? Like, honestly, like with a with a more objective viewpoint, it's, I didn't think I still don't think it's that great. I think it's overrated. Not a terrible movie. But if they love it, you can't tell them they're I wrong, know. Jeremy. I know. It's just funny that there's certain certain things. I don't get it. And it's like. And that's OK. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Don't listen to me. I'm a cranky old man. Yeah, you are. Um, did you watch anything else? That's the main. Well, I, uh, also a little like I'll call it horror adjacent. Uh, I did for the I'd never seen it all the way through. I'd seen bits and pieces of it. Another Nicolas Cage movie. I watched Wild at Heart, mm. directed but, by David Lynch. You know, it's Lynch. Got, I was almost said Cronenberg. Right. Yeah, Is Laura um, Laura, Laura Dern? Dern. Yeah, Nick Cage and Laura Dern are the leads. Uh, you know, it's very David Lynch. I think that's the movie where. It's it's early-ish in his filmography because I want to place it. I think he did my film nerd brain. Let's get this working. I think it went Eraserhead, The Elephant Man, Blue Velvet, and then Wild at Heart was his fourth feature film. Or was Dune in there somewhere? I don't know. But Wild at Heart is early enough in his filmography that like that's the beginning of David Lynch as you think of him now, like going into the utterly surreal and bizarre territory that he does with, say, like Lost Highway, the Twin Peaks movie, Mulholland Drive. Because, yeah, Wild at Heart has a lot of weird idiosyncratic stuff. So it was fun. It was good. I think if you like David Lynch, you'll probably enjoy it for the most part. It's definitely like like a lot of his movies. It's horror adjacent. Like it has thematic elements that you know are similar to horror movies but it's like hard to classify into one specific genre like is this drama or whatever it's so surreal and weird mm-hmm. it has a totally unhinged performance by willem dafoe as you know who is essentially the bad guy in it and it's like oh god what's the guy's name bobby peru is <laughs> the name of willem dafoe's character he's probably one of the grossest weirdest film villains He's got to be up there, so. Okay. And that's it. Well, that's some good flicks. Yeah, so. I watched The Dentist. Oh, Brian Usna. Back in the day. Yep, it was fine. 
I remember watching it on some USA compilation back in the day. Sure. And just being like, I need to watch that. So I did. I wish it would have gone like, I mean, there's some like crushing of teeth, some like mm-hmm. removing of teeth. And I think it's the second one where he puts like razor blades in someone's mouth. Or yeah. Something. I, I, I rem- it's like I a dream to, sequence. I seem to remember that. And it was fine. It's yeah. like, you know, like that term, like going postal, like that's like what happens really. And it's yeah. just, it's fine. I seem to recall it being like one of the lesser tier, you know, like a it's not it's not an A-lister slasher movie. It's no, it's more li- in line with the ice cream man, but not as fun. Not as sure, you know, sure, sure. I think I'd rather watch the dentist again before I watch the ice cream man. But they're sort of in line with each other or close, close in the same weird family. Got it. And then I finally finished Found, which I started a million years ago. I actually was a DVD I, I took as a souvenir from rehab back in the day because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it has this like super hot chiseled guy and like a gas mask with like no shirt, like holding like a head and it looks super hot and dirty. And I was like, I'm going to take this because I don't know. I felt the rehab didn't like owe me that, but like I wanted it as like a souvenir. So I took it <laughs> and I started watching it. It's about like this little kid who finds out like his brother's like a serial killer. Like he finds like a head in a bag and like his Ooh. brother's room and now it's on Shutter, and one of my friends, Ian, reached out and was like, um, oh, my God, have you watched Found? And I was like, no, I haven't, like, finished it. So I went back and watched it in entirety. It's weird because there are a couple of scenes in it where they show movies. Like, one's called Headless, and I can't remember what the other one's called. And they sort of intertwine with the storyline. But they're, like, movies that have actually been made that were then used in this movie. Like, l- like not very well known. Oh, but not like Friday the Third. Like no one's ever really heard of these movies, but they are actual movies. Like you could go out and watch that movie in entirety that they watch as a chunk of this movie. Weird, which is weird. It's so yeah. weird. What a bizarre idea. It's like a movie within a movie that's actually a movie. A movie. <laughs> it's so odd. Wow. But like lots of people really love this. Like you go on Letterbox and people like they're like, "Wow, this is really disturbing." I mean, people are giving it like four and a half stars like talking about how good it is and it's just not it's super low budget there's some disturbing stuff you he's full frontal hard on at one point and it's a prosthetic so you know if i hadn't have known that i might have been more excited <laughs> but but it's just weird i mean the the very very end is maybe the most interesting part of it all but mm-hmm. i don't recommend it but it's definitely like one of those movies that comes up on like really fucked up lists. Sure. Cause there are some things in it. <sighs> yeah. So if anyone out there is watching, I would love to know your thoughts. Sure. Scaring is sharing at gmail.com. Slide into our DMS. Tell me, tell me, tell me. I want to know. That kind of reminds me like for some reason I was, why did I look this movie up? I think I was reading like a article from somebody dread central, a bloody disgusting or something like that. Uh, and it mentioned the movie, the Hills run red. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, flick? I have seen it. I saw it years ago and I hated it. That's all I remember about it is like, I thought it sucked, uh, uh-huh. but it constantly pops up on lists of this is one of the best horror movies you've never heard of. And like yes. on letterbox, it has a sh- I looked it up and it has a shit ton of great reviews. And I'm like, I thought this was utterly terrible. Like what are, why is this so i don't know aren't they like looking for a horror movie that had been made that's really bad or what <sighs> they are investigating like a filmmaker who made what was supposed to be like the greatest slasher film ever and then they discovered it was all real yes i knew there was something with like a, a movie and there's like yeah like a baby doll mask yeah baby face who's supposed to be the jason but he's like not even the main point of like the story and it goes a bunch of super bizarre like soap opera type like reveal directions by the end that's what i remember uh and i'm like this is just stupid it's not good not so i don't know why it's so beloved it like that's another one that blows my mind maybe we're just crabby old curmudgeons (laughs) but that don't get it or maybe we just have taste maybe that's it like i don't know as i was just telling you not to rag on people for exactly but yeah but i haven't seen it in like over a decade so like i don't know if i want to revisit it but who knows all right well let's share our scares with one another you go first i'm going give it to me jeremy please give it to me oh my god well you know what (sighs) Let's going through the old list that we talk about. And that's our little receptacle of our ideas of what to share with each other for those who are wondering. Might be new listeners. And something jumped out at me 
We're going, it's not exactly a true horror movie. We're going horror adjacent, as we like to say. Uh, And I'm giving you a little flick called Escape from New York. Okay. It's, I want to say it's John C. Mm -hmm. It's what I want to say. I also want to say that Kurt Russell's in it. And I think it's like a futuristic, like the world's gone to hell. I'm going to say like people with like motorcycle, like gangs have like taken over the earth. I can't remember if there's an element with like UFOs or some shit. It's futuristic. The world's gone to shit. Kurt Russell's going to save the day. There's going to be some love interest. She's going to die. He's going to live and take over the baddies, whatever those are. I'm going to say they're alien gangs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um oh i think maybe he was in prison i feel like there's something with prison like maybe the world goes to shit and he's in prison and he breaks out of prison and then like you know he's a sort of reformed criminal who is like this savior we all needed that that's where we're going cool um so i can't decide between two so i have two pieces of paper one in each hand give me right or left left let's see what it is it is come to daddy Cool. I've wanted to see this. Okay. I remember the trailer. It's got my boy, another, uh, you know, male lead that I'm a big fan of. Elijah Wood, I know, is the lead of this. And of course, as a nerd, you know, I love him in the Lord of the Rings movies. And he's now gone on to do all these interesting, like, horror and just fucking weird indie flicks. So cool. As well as producing, like Mandy and shit like that. So Elijah Wood is in it. And it, I don't know, like all I remember from like the trailer I saw was that he's trying to reconnect with his like estranged father, uh, but like weird, something weird's going to happen. I have no idea what, like maybe his dad's actually like a serial killer or something like he's going to discover some sort of fucked up past somewhere, or maybe, I don't know, somebody's a serial killer probably or some shit like that. He goes trying to reconnect with his dad and shit just goes sideways. His dad's like an asshole or has done terrible things and it just gets crazy. And he gets dragged into a world of badness that he becomes complicit (laughs) in and hilarity ensues. As it does. That's what I I think it's about. Well, fun. Yeah, it was a movie that took me on a ride. So I'm really excited for you to watch it. Fuck yeah. And I remembered like, it's one of those ones that like, I wouldn't say it had like, you know, like unanimous acclaim, but I kept every so often, like while it was out, I'd hear somebody be like, did you see Come to Daddy? No, that was fucked up and cool. Like check that movie out. Or like I had a couple people be like, Jeremy, this is totally a movie you would love. Like I think one of my buddies saw it was like, this is a Jeremy movie for sure. So I'm excited to check it out. Yay. Cool. All right, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll be back in just a minute to talk about them. Hell yeah. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. We're back to talk about these movies. Yeah, we are. Let's do it. I guess we're starting off uh, with my pick, Escape from New York. And uh, let's go. The tagline, I love this tagline that they have on Letterboxd. New York is a disease. Meet the cure. That's (laughs) That's good. (laughs) That's awesome. And the synopsis is in 1997, which I just love that that was, you know, futuristic, I guess, when they made this movie. Like, let's set it. We're now like almost 20 years. More than 20. How far out are we from that? We're more (laughs) than 20 years from that. So that's when I graduated from high school. Holy cow. Uh, In 1997, the island of Manhattan has been walled off and turned into a giant maximum security prison within which the country's worst criminals are left to form their own anarchic society. However, when the president of the United States crash lands on the island, the authorities turn to a former soldier and current convict to rescue him. Well, I got to say, in the first part of the episode, we were talking about tank tops. And let's talk about tank tops because <laughs> Kurt Russell sports a hot one. Hell yeah. All right. So Escape from New York, I thought was fine. I'm glad. I'm very <laughs> glad you thought it was fine because I love this movie. I thought it was fine. I did not love it. I was never invested in him. 
I didn't find him mm. to have a whole lot of personality for me to get behind. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- I felt like the lead guy and they live while also being a quiet sort of anti-hero had much more, like I was like more invested in him than I was in snake snake. I, and it's not like I, like I, I enjoy Kurt Russell. I find him very hot. So there's that aspect, but I just, just never got like, I wasn't like gung ho for him. And like, it's interesting because like, I never found like there was like a real villain. I mean, when you get to the very end, you're like, oh, this is the true villain. But I find like for a movie for this to like really work in my mind, there's like, you got to have a baddie. And here it's like, (laughs) in this movie, everyone's a bad guy. Yeah, but there's just something like if you're going to really root for someone, I feel like you got to have someone who you're like, but like the people, I can't even remember like the name now, the Duke or whatever. Like, I'm like, oh, the Duke's kind of cool. Like, yeah, I don't hate the Duke. I know it's Isaac Hayes, too. So it was like, you know, may he rest in peace. Bringing that voice. Duke of New York. A number one. But okay. Let me talk about what I really did like. Really loved the score. I thought the score Always. was amazing. John Carpenter's incredible. Oh, yeah. Just delivering. I loved Adrian Barbeau. I cared about her the most. What's her name? Maggie. Mm-hmm. Like she and ha- Harold, right? The brain? brain. The brain. The brain. Yep. The brain. Like I, I liked them and the girl from the donut shop or whatever it was called. The fat donut. What was that place called? Oh, I the can't donut remember. cutter. Yeah, it's something. It's, it's, it's like a diner. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I thought she was gonna be like our lead gal, like the love interest, and then she just like dies. Yeah, she just gets killed in the like <laughs> in the scene that's like totally out of Night of the Living Dead or something. A hundred percent of that crawl out of the ground. <laughs> yeah, you're like okay, that's kind of cool. And then I love like the Jimmy Neutron haired guy, oh, <laughs> Romero. <laughs> yes, love him. <laughs> you come after me, he dies. You're not out of here in three minutes. He died. I was always interested. Like it always, I never was like, can this please be over? Mm -hmm. I knew exactly where it was going at the end. As soon as I saw him like putting the tape in the tape recorder, I'm like, oh, I know where this is all going to go in the end. And so I didn't feel like shocked or surprised, but I was like that at that moment, I'm like, good for you. You know, like they used you and you kind of got your, I don't know. You made them pay. Yeah, they, whatever. Payback. But like, I just, I, I needed more in regards to, I just wanted more there. Like for them to be bigger ass, like them being like, you know, the government to be like bigger assholes to show even more so how they were using him. Cause like they were, but like, I couldn't tell if they were like bad or good, really. Like I was pretty sure their backs are like the government. I just mm-hmm. wanted stronger dynamics in regards to like good guy, bad guy, which, gotcha. you know, I'm not saying that that like, that that's what makes a good movie just for me to get further invested. I wanted more there. I think, and we've kind of covered this before too, where like you, you, you like, you like some character arc and some development and some, yes. And I don't know what it says about me, but like, I have no problem just like slipping into the world of like, it's a bunch of shitty people just being shitty and they don't ever really change or stop. And I'm okay with that a lot of the time. So I, I don't know what that says about me. I do also to bring up when I was listening to development hell, that podcast I plugged before, which is really great. Grady Hendrix who again is the author who wrote my best friend's exorcism and the final girl support group that's coming out. He, when they talk about Halloween, he talks about Donald Pleasance. Have you ever heard it pronounced as such? No, I've always heard Donald Pleasance. Always. And he's like this avid horror fan. Like he has this amazing Instagram account. That's all old school artwork, like all old school, like horror novels, like those cheap, like from like the eighties, those like really bad, mm-hmm. like uh, the paperbacks from hell kind of thing. That's exactly what it is. Paperbacks from hell. That yeah. is, I think what his Instagram handle is. Okay. And, like he is in on, like he knows his shit. So it was so weird. He constantly called him Donald Pleasance. 
<laughs> and it was the weirdest thing. I want maybe that, but what if that's like how you actually say his name? And it's like we've all been saying because you find that every so often. There's like an actor or a famous person where like it's accepted that we all say the name one way, and then they're actually like, no, it's supposed to be pronounced like this. But I've just never corrected anyone. That and you know what? I also had that with Terror in the Isles. They say Ed Gein. When they mm -hmm. talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they say this is actually based on the case of Ed Gein. Mm -hmm. And people get very animate saying it's Gein. Gein, yeah, I've always been corrected by the hardcore nerds. It's Ed Gein. On my favorite murder, they talk about like everyone says Gein, but it's really Gein. So it's like, that's a there's a discord there. But I've yeah. never, ever, ever heard pleasance. So I just weird. gotta say it. It's weird. And if you know, if Grady Hendrix is right, please write us and tell us. I would love we, to know. We need to know. We need to know. But okay, I want you to tell me a little bit more about why you love this movie. Why I love this movie? Yeah. I don't know, man. This is just one of those. It's I just love these 80s action science fiction flicks like this. They're simple. I mean, at their core, John Carpenter's a big like Western guy. Uh, and like, really, that's what this movie is. It's a Western. Like a lot of his action movies, when you strip them down to their core, are just Westerns and and in the spaghetti Western mold, because your traditional Western, like you're talking about, there is a distinct good guy and a bad guy usually, and they duke it out. Whereas it was, you know, the Italians like Sergio Leone with his Clint Eastwood flicks, the good, the bad and the ugly. Those usually had guys that were the good guy and the bad guy really weren't all that distinct from each other. And it was just a lot of a lot of bad guys going at it. I don't know, man. Snake Plissken just speaks to something in me as a I, don't, I guess I as a cis hetero white man that like he's the macho, you know, that macho stereotype of just like the badass that doesn't take any shit and he gets the job done. And somehow I just click with that. I'm like, cool. I like that guy. And eye patches are cool. I guess, you know, I, I feel if there would have been this element to add some heart to it is where my extra investment would have come in. If yeah. he would have had a daughter that the government was holding on to until he got out, if he would have had a love interest somewhere in there, but he never really did because Maggie was with the brain. Yeah. Like, so there never was, it was just this guy going through the motions to do what he needed. So his neck didn't blow up or whatever was going to yeah. happen to it. Yep. You know, the funny thing is too, when you were trying to guess the plot, I wanted to jump to that when you were like, I think there's gangs and like his family. <laughs> it's like you were, you were literally describing the plot of the original Mad Max. <laughs> oh, am I? Like, and I've never yeah. seen that. Yeah. So I was like, okay, he's doing Mad Max, but I can see how you could kind of lump them together. Cause they're all from the same eighties post-apocalyptic, like just shoot them up, fight bad guys. There's not a lot to it. And I'm just wondering if that, doesn't speak to me so much because I have no interest in watching Mad Max. I kind of have interest in the newest one because it looks so fucking cool. It was super fucking good. But like the older ones and just that like Blade Runner, like all of those just there's no urge in me to watch any of them. And see, I've watched all of these countless times. That oh, you're and that saying. does like, not surprise me. They, they speak to me and I don't know what it is. But like a more contemporary young adult sort of dystopian thing like i've only read and seen the first hunger games but i really enjoyed it mm -hmm. if i hadn't got involved with whatever grad school or drugs or whatever the fuck it was that i didn't read <laughs> the rest of the hunger Games series i would have and i hopefully will watch those movies again at some point like or like go beyond the first one but like that speaks to me but there's this whole element of like her family and her younger sister, I think she volunteers as tribute. Like there's just these like um, emotional ties that really get in there. That sort of is what grabs on to me. But even then I'm not like, Ooh, I want to watch the maze runner. And like, I don't, there's something about the dystopian tale mm -hmm. that I'm not particularly drawn to, I guess, for whatever mm -hmm. reason. 
Who it's knows? also like, I mean, the whole sci-fi thing. Like, I'm not big into sci-fi, but dystopian is sort of a, a branch off of sci-fi, I'd say, right? Like a subgenre. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, I can see it. I'm glad, I'm glad it kept your interest, though. Uh, and especially because this is just a movie, it, it, much like the next movie we're going to talk about, just populated with weird characters. So part of it is just watching what weird character is going to show. I mean, Ernest Borgnine, for crying out loud. We haven't even talked about him yet. And he just oh. shows up driving his taxi. Hey, Snake! You know, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? But it's awesome. I loved him. If more characters would have been like him throughout or if he would have been in it more, I think I would have enjoyed it even more because mm-hmm. he reminded me of what's his butt from Kong Island. Oh, yeah. John C. Riley. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He is a very similar character to that. But John C. Riley became the heart of Kong Island and was yeah. an, an integral part to it all. And Cabby was just sort of like popped up every once in a while. I wanted sure. like, because for a while there, I'm like, oh, this is very much like, like a, a weird retelling of the Wizard of Oz is kind of what it felt like for a minute to me. Like they're yeah. all going on this journey and I can sort see of that mystical land. And, and I was re- like, when I got that idea in my head, I was like, oh, I'm loving this. But then just sort of it fizzles out, just peter out to me. And the end I thought was so lackluster like that whole thing on the bridge i just was like this is not terribly exciting i was not like blown away i don't know it is one of those the very i i think that too because i've rewatched this a bunch of times and by the end you're kind of hoping for like a giant set piece and it's just kind of a car chase and then snake just barely gets away i mean donald pleasance you know shoots up uh the duke of new york and you're like okay cool but you're you're expecting like something bigger and i'm like i wonder if they ran out of money well, when they got to that part, because I know this wasn't like a huge budget. So it's like, I wonder if they just spent all their money on everything else. And was there ever the head of the Statue of Liberty or is that just on the poster? That's just the poster. Oh, see, that would have been great if something would have yeah. happened and that had. But like, I, no. that's why years down the line, Cloverfield's like, well, we're going to actually do that. We're going to actually do it. Yeah, because it's just on the poster. No, it is a movie that like at the same like it it seems big and exciting. And then like but when you really pay attention, you're like, they shot this on the cheap. Like, I think they used a bunch of like actual abandoned buildings in like, I don't know where. I don't think it was actually New York because New York is expensive to film in. I think they were in like Chicago or something like that. But, you know, it, it wasn't an expensive movie. So I wonder if those are part of the. And I know for a lot of people, that's the charm of this movie, because this is definitely like, is it actually a good movie or is it just so cheesy it becomes good? That's kind of like where this movie falls in the whole cult world, because it is immensely Mm -hmm. silly. Yeah, I just could have dealt with it either being more silly. Yeah, if it went further. That's what the next one does. The sequel, Escape from L.A., that leans into the... Oh, I didn't even realize there was a sequel. Yeah, Escape from L.A., that, that leans into the cheese even harder. Okay. And that was okay. made in the night that was made in the 90s, too. So there's like a whole decade jump to like changes in style and stuff. So you might like that one more. Who knows? I appreciate that he uses a lot of the same people for movies and not necessarily like the sequels, but like different mm-hmm. movies. Like, yeah. I love that sort of like ensemble sort of feel. Like, I think that's really cool how he's like, oh, I'm going to work with Adrian Barbeau a handful of times and Donald Pleasance and, mm-hmm. Kurt, and Kurt Russell. Russell. And yeah, I love yep. that. I do also, every time I rewatch this, I, I love the idea. It seems like just a shortcut in writing the script, which is, uh, okay, Snake Plissken is famous, apparently, in this world. So everybody just knows who he is. So it makes it way easier for him to just, like, not waste time getting to know anybody. So, like, Cabby shows up, or the brain. Everybody already knows who he is, so you don't waste time with, like, who are you? Explain everything. So I'm like, that's that's a quick little screenwriting tip for everybody out there just make your character famous within the world and you don't have to bother with anyone not knowing who they are so like everyone thought he was dead but Mm -hmm. like did we ever get into like how the police like found him we didn't get into that did we no no a lot of stuff's unanswered i guess like over time like just like every other science fiction type property there's some comic books and there's like extra material that fleshed out some more story over the years so i bet you out there somewhere somebody knows if anyone's like a big escape from new york fan like point me in the direction i think there was a comic book they did that like explained the background of how they got to where they're at in the beginning of the movie i also think it's funny in regards to like looking at technology in this futuristic world and how like (laughs) cheesy it is and wondering like 
at the time this came out, did that look so fucking cool? And like, ooh, wow. Yeah. Look at the effects of the future. I did. I wonder. I do. One thing that I think is really cool with like the limited special effects they had the scene when he's flying into the city uh, and he's got that like hol- it's supposed to be like a hologram display he's looking at of like the skyline in the green they literally just like built a model painted it black and then painted like neon stripes on it and filmed it to create the hologram the quote-unquote hologram that little plane model that like he's on like and you're like you can tell it's just like this little piece of like this little tiny miniature model it's a little toy just (laughs) zipping in like oh it's great but it just makes me wonder like movies now that look like when they're showing you know people touching the air and like computers oh sure looks so cool like eventually 20 years from now it's gonna look so cheapy and cheesy and stupid we we pretty much already have minority report with touch screens and stuff like eventually it'll just be We'll surpass that and that you won't even touch anything. I think you'll just think it and it'll make something happen. Oh, God. It just makes me, my head spin a little bit. Like thinking when this came out, people were probably like, oh, my God. 1997. So cool. oh, 1997. God. <laughs> <laughs> Brandy Joe's going to be graduating from high school and singing Seasons of Love at his graduation. Yep. And New York's <laughs> going to be a prison colony. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, I just, I, I guess, like, the idea of it seemed really cool. And I wish, for me, it could have just been fleshed out a little differently, at least for me to enjoy it differently. But that doesn't mean that I think that it's not a good film. It's just not up my alley. My sure. dark alley full of, what were the the, the crazies? Oh, yeah, I can't remember. Like, oh, it's escaping That was, me. like, the gang of people, the crazies or something. Yeah, something like that, the crazies. Anyway, um, we sort of touched on some of my thoughts of what it was like the futuristic world's gone to hell. I yep. said gangs have taken over the earth. I mean, sort of kind of they've taken over New York, but they, because yeah. they were put there to be taken over. Yep. But the whole idea of alien gangs or UFOs, definitely not. I said Kurt Russell would save the day. He did, but that he'd have a love interest and she dies. That's only half true. And yeah, that's about it. I said something about him being a reformed criminal. He was just a straight up criminal. Yeah, he's just a criminal. Prison. Something with prison. There was definitely a lot with prison. So there you go. Yeah. All right. So out of five Cobra stomach tattoos, Mm. uh, how many do you give it? I wanted to see the whole tattoo. Mm. (laughs) I'm going to give it three. All right. Cobra tattoos. Respectable. I know what you're going to give it. I know you saw my letterbox. Four (laughs) four and a half. And I'm going to stick with that. Four and a half. I I didn't mean to because I don't like to know in advance, but I was looking and I saw it. Did I like it or something or how did you know? Just, oh, I just, I just was, I, when I went on uh, my own profile, when I looked it up, it shows my own rating on there. Uh, I saw it and I was like, what did I give this? And I was like, oh, he probably looked. He probably looked I did. And saw it. I normally don't. It just, I was like looking at other people I knew who watched it. And I was like, oh, who's it? And I was like, oh, it's Jeremy is Jeremy. Yeah. So yeah. that makes sense. Four and a half. So it, not quite one half of a scare of approval. Not quite there. Yeah. Uh, you, if it. you've never seen it for some reason, uh, like Brandy Joe, because uh, I feel like John Carpenter's got a very well-trodden filmography for people that would be listening to us. But if you've not seen it or you haven't seen it in a while, you know, let us know what you think. I know this is, it's not a universally acclaimed movie. I know that it's got its cult following like me. And a lot of people are just like, it's kind of a cheesier movie and John Carpenter's overall. So uh, let us know what you think. Yeah, do it. All right, moving on to Come to Daddy. The letterboxed tagline is from the team behind The Witch and the Greasy Strangler. Ooh, now I want to see it. After receiving a cryptic letter from his estranged father, Norval travels to his dad's oceanfront home for what he hopes will be a positive experience. If only he'd known the dark truth about his old man beforehand. <laughs> oh, boy. This was a trip. Such a trip. Such a fucking trip, man. Yeah, like the first half hour of movie is one thing. 
uh, you love to give these to me. Like it go, it's going one direction, <laughs> and then halfway through, it becomes a totally different movie and goes another direction. Well, I guess it really does. not an entirely another, but yeah, it just it just the twists keep coming. Yeah, when he gets there in the beginning, well, first off, love Elijah Wood. He's great love in these. Him. He's great in these kind of roles. He reminded me a lot of. Did you watch the show Wilfred? No. Uh, are you familiar with it? Do you know of it? No. That was the uh, sitcom a few years back. I think it went for I want to say two, three seasons, maybe four. Uh, where Elijah Wood is this guy. He's he's depressed and he has a failed suicide attempt. Uh, except after his failed suicide attempt, he sees his neighbor's dog as a guy in a dog costume. Right. That talks yes, to him. Okay. I remember trying to watch it. I think. And they have adventures, but. Uh, his character in this movie reminds me so much of his role in the show Wilfred. Uh, and that was like a pitch perfect. Like he was the only person that could have played that role in the show and he just nails it. Uh, and it's very similar here. Like he is just mwah, chef's kiss performance wise. When he got off the bus, I thought he looked like a hipster Isaac from children of the corn. Yeah. I liked that hat. I was like, Ooh, I want, <laughs> I want that hat. My wife would, have words to say about me wearing that hat, but I'm like, I want that. Yeah, when he when he gets there and he meet, you know, Stephen McCaddy as Gordon, I guess. Sorry, guys, spoilers. Yeah, we're gonna get into. It's hard not to talk about this without spoilers. So if you think you're gonna watch it, depart. Now. Yeah, depart and Leave watch the episode this. early. Okay, right. now now that they're gone, let's keep talking. <laughs> let's talk about them behind their backs. Yeah, what a bunch of stupid idiots. Um, <laughs> no, I love everyone that listens. Me too. The When he gets there, you know, like initially I'm like, okay, the dad is like some weird fucking guy. And, and you can just, they did it really well. It's acted well and written well. We are like, something is not adding up, but I don't know what yet. Like, why is he such a fucker? Like, I know his dad walked out on him, but like something's wrong here uh, and they haven't keyed us into it yet. And after he dies and then they get to that reveal finally of the photo album with a different man in there, I was just like, holy shit. Okay, that's not necessarily where I thought it was going, but yeah, incredible. And then his dad's just in the basement and you're like, oh, what the fuck? And then it just sort of spirals like this movie just flies by for me. Like. Yeah, One it's thing, pretty quickly paced. The first bit, you're kind of like, what the fuck is going on? And like, what's going to happen? And then uh, when dad one dies, then it's like, is this going to be a ghost story? Is yeah. he going to come back to life? And then as soon as like he, the dad two is revealed, then it just kind of goes from there. And it's pretty fast paced and just sort of moves along. Yeah, absolutely. And I really love like where my slight issue or where I had hangups with Escape from New York, here, no matter how small the character, like the cop or the mortician, like they're so, to me, fully realized, even in like a matter of minutes, that I just feel I really know them to some degree. Like I feel like the characterizations are very fleshed out, no matter how small the character, even that woman at like, or even the hotel attendant, like all those people at the hotel even, or the motel, like mm -hmm. I just, feel they're very real even mm -hmm. if they only have like a matter of lines like i'm very much like i feel like i know you to a degree yeah they did a really good job of getting actors in all of these roles that did very authentic performances for who they were playing like that was just incredible casting all around it is just such a it's sort of like parasite meets i don't know i was trying to think of a movie that parasite could have sex with and yeah create this, this. yeah i have no idea <laughs> Like, cause this just felt so, I mean, it, you know, nothing's truly unique, but this felt really unique. Like I wasn't, no other movies were jumping to mind, like while I was watching this specifically. So I was like, okay, this is cool that this is, you know, I've never seen that before kind of experience. So, and when that one guy shows up, I can't remember now, I think it was Jethro. And I was like, oh my God, it's Weird Al. <laughs> like, he <looked> like <laughs> yeah, he does have like a Weird Al wig. He does. Yeah. There's this one review on Letterboxd that said, Elijah Wood cashed his Lord of the Rings check and then said, I'm never making a normal movie again. And I love him for that. 
<laughs> and you were kind of talking about that before, like how he just does all these weird sort of horror things. He produces stuff and mm -hmm. he just he just doesn't seem to be like, I need to make mainstream hits. Like he's just like, I have some money and I can do what I want now. And I, that's what I'm going to do. And he's making weird, just cool shit. Yeah, it's impressive. And he's just so good. He's so like his eyes, like they talk about, you have really kind eyes. And I'm like, he really does. He does. No, <laughs> he looks he looks like the kind of person like uh very welcoming. Like he he's he's one of those actors that makes me feel like I know him. Like he's totally. a friend, like a friend of mine. So it's like I probably have uh, you know. Uh, I'm sure mental health professionals would tell me I have an unhealthy bond to his work when I'm like, no, he's like my friend. I feel like I know him. And this movie just sets the tone when it starts off with a quote from Shakespeare and then Beyonce. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what? This yes. is going to be weird. And that really sets it up for sort of like, it's kind of what you know and like something new and modern. Like it's, it's this weird mash of, of things. And yes. A, a unique sort of feel to it i really love the end i don't know quite what it means mm -hmm. again the, yeah if you haven't left yet i guess it's too late by this point but i'm like i think they both die like i guess that's kind of what it sort of feels like in that last moment with like it going yeah. to black and then you see this like old timey footage of them in their young long ago days like that's where i kind of go in my head that they die together sure I could see Did, that rating, but you didn't necessarily feel that. No, I mean, maybe the dad died because he had some pretty grievous injuries, you know, at that point. So, but yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure what it means. And also, I mean, as we've talked about before, love movies that deal with addiction and things like that. And this is a movie like that. It definitely goes there. And, you know, I'm like, oh, is there some sort of is it a parallel for like relapse and stuff? Because as soon as he starts drinking, things like really get like crazy again. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it is that that's just happens to be something that happens. Yeah, I, I actually I sat there for a moment, too. I'm like, is this going to have bigger implications? And I was like, no, I think that's just a character moment that yeah. works very well within the story. And he gets real drunk and then we never really go back to it, which I'm fine with. It's not like he's like, man, I relapsed or like he doesn't continue to drink throughout the rest of the experience. It's really just that like chunk of time mm -hmm. that he sort of falls off the wagon. But I really like the ending. It hit me a little different this time. The first time I was pretty emotional about it. I don't remember that I cried, but mm -hmm. this time I was just like, oh, it's sweet. Like, even though they don't, like they do kind of make up in this weird way. Like the dad can't really seem to talk, but he like reaches out and just like holds his hand. And it's just that sweet sort of thing. And I, I love that the the one guy, Jethro is like, by the way, your mom was a whore. <laughs> I fucked her. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just so funny. That just cracks me up. It's again, just like this weird moment where you're never thinking that's where we're going to go. And then, you're yeah. Like, and it's that whole monologue while he's just <laughs> injured is like this weird idiosyncratic thing. And then he just stabs him in the brain and you're like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> The really weird movie. Oh, and also for my music nerds out there, that's at the end of that scene we were just talking about too, a piano piece kicks in uh, that if anyone like me is a fan of Aphex Twin, the uh, English, you know, electronic artist, he's got a very rabid cult following. He's like what your radio, like a Radiohead type following, if you will, very devoted uh, indie crowd love him but that piano piece that starts is one of his called avril 14th and it's a very uh well-regarded piece of music by him and this is where i'm going in mental circles here because come to daddy the title of the movie made me think of there is a apex twin song called come to daddy uh, and i was like oh i wonder if that's going to be in there but they used a different apex twin song in the movie so i was like okay so they had to be thinking about apex twin at some point now, the song Come to Daddy is probably a little bit aggro for like the tone of this movie, because it's kind of like a uh, almost like a heavy metal influenced thing. So I was like, yeah, I don't think that would have worked in here anywhere per se. But I did like that little seemed like a little nod to us that we're like, hey, that's the name of an Aphex Twin song. Oh, you did put an Aphex Twin song in here. So cool. 
you had some things right in regards to your predictions, like that reconnecting with his strange father, weird shit happens, but you were saying you thought the dad was to be a serial killer. Yeah. Um, totally. Cause I just remember the trailer did a good job of just showing you Stephen McCaddy and some like weird stuff. So I was like, okay, he's going to be a fucked up dude. And it's like, Nope, they hid the twist really well. That's good marketing. Thank God. Yeah. Good marketing. Yep. I think that one of the posters where it has like the, it's like a glass of booze and there's like ice cubes that are like sort of the like mountain or like the, like where the, the, the house is. And then I feel like it sort of alludes to like, there's something below the surface mm, okay. which is like really clever but not in a way that you would look at it and be like oh i bet there's a dad in like a fucking you know basement basement <laughs> so yeah okay I, I really love it though all right so out of five poo pens yeah how many do you give it i'm going solid four i give it three and a half that's what i gave it the first time and i'm gonna give it that too i i want to give it a little bit more for originality and just being cool but there's just a little something not quite to get me to four, but I, I really do like it. Certain je ne sais quoi. Uh, yep, exactly. <laughs> it's missing. But it's definitely a scare of approval. So scare of approval. We need like a scream sound effect for that. Whenever we do it. I'll come up with one. Cool. Next time. Next time. All right. Well, cool. Well, good times. Great oldies. Cool 105. <laughs> for your afternoon drive time <laughs> well hail paymon write to us scaring a sharing at gmail.com we love you yeah let us know what you think uh long live the new flesh beware of crimson peak you know all the <laughs> whatever other taglines i can steal from movies whatever you do don't fall asleep yeah I do have to say, I have a whole bunch of new horror art in my room that I have to give you a tour of at some point, but I have a big Freddy Krueger by my bed, like this giant Freddy Krueger painting, Ooh. and everyone's like, oh my god, that would scare me so much if it was by my bed, and I'm like, oh my god, I love that he watches over me while I sleep, but last night I woke up, and while my eyes were sort of refocusing, I just saw like Freddy Krueger there, and it just looked like this weird figure, and it freaked me out, <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I'll give you a tour of all the art. But yes. thank you for listening. Check us out next week. We love you. We appreciate you. Keep sharing the scares. Keep watching scary movies, people. Because scaring is sharing. Bye. Till next time. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.